Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Lorraine Murphy Show. This week, I am sharing my 11 steps to creating the perfect retreat. Now, before I kick into this episode, I just want to let you know (laughs) that we currently have four children in the house. My sister and her husband and her three children and my mom are here and it's Mama Wilder Day. So I'm recording my podcast episode for the week while Wilder is having his lunchtime sleep. So yes, you may hear a child playing in the pool, which is the good news, or you may hear a kid screaming at some point, which is the not so good news. So... (laughs) Just flagging that with you before we head into this episode. Yes, it's very, very small children are not the best co-working buddies, (laughs) it turns out. So I want to talk about retreats this week because I am a huge fan of retreats. I have been going on retreats for many, many years. I went on my first one way back in 2013 when I was feeling, it's funny, I thought I was burnt out. I was so burnt out and so exhausted. I was 18 months into my first business. It turns out I had no idea what exhaustion actually was once the business got bigger. And yeah, obviously children came along and I went through much bigger, bigger highs and much bigger lows within my business career as well. So I've been going on retreats for 10 years now. And it's something that I've become quite good at, I've become quite expert in. And it's also an area that I help a lot of my mentees with as well in terms of how they can really plan the ideal retreat for them, whether that is a guided retreat. I've done many guided retreats where I've gone on an experience that someone else has created for me uh, or a self-guided where I've gone and kind of created my own version of what a great retreat would look like. And I haven't actually gone on a guided retreat for quite a few years now. I think because I've just found all the things that I really like doing. So (laughs) I just got to do it myself. So, and I've also then hosted retreats as well. So I've hosted retreats in Byron, the Central Coast, in Noosa, and also in Bali. And I was heartbroken in 2020 because I had sold out a retreat. There were 14 women coming to Bali with me in May 2020. And obviously, we all know what happened in kind of March 2020. So I pushed the retreat back to October, fully saying, this will be fine. We'll be through this COVID thing in a couple of months. And yes, that did not happen. So that that got cancelled altogether. But I'm really, really excited because I have just given the kind of the initial, hi, it's happening, save the date this week to a retreat I'm hosting in Bali in October this year. I'm so excited. I've just been in total flow creating this experience for the women that come. I've just finalized the villa that we're going with. It's two interconnecting villas. And so, yeah, it just felt like I feel like retreats are front of mind for me this week. And I'll be opening doors. I'll be offering spots to my one-on-one mentees and my Bell Darling group first, and then announcing it to the kind of broader community mid next week. So yes, watch this space for my Bali retreat. I'm so giddy. I'm so excited. and I cannot wait to do it and be back in my happy place of Bali. So I guess I wanted to start this episode by saying, you know, why are retreats so important? Because I think we can think, oh, that's a nice thing to do. And 
you know, that, oh, that would be lovely. Now, one day I might get to do a retreat. And I just really wanted to, I guess, anchor this episode in the true power and potency of retreats. And there are a few different reasons that I believe that wh- why we should all go on a retreat. And the first reason is that I guess th- there's two reasons, right, that we can go on a retreat. We can either go from a prevention perspective where we're actively bolstering our energy, our resilience, so that you know, no matter what comes or what's happening, we have more capacity to deal with it. Or we can attend a retreat from a cure perspective whereby we're already feeding the burnout the resilience tank is at an all-time low and we really feel the need to just stop and deal with that and cure that, you know, heal that situation that we're in. And I wanted to just address the whole idea here as we kind of venture into this episode together of the feather, the brick and the truck. So I wrote about this in my fourth book, Step Into You. And the whole idea is that if we are out of alignment in some way in our lives, we first of all will get a feather. It's like a little tickle, but we can brush it away quite easily and, you know, keep soldiering on and doing whatever we're doing. If we ignore the feather, the universe then sends us a brick. A brick hurts, it shocks us, and you know we might be kind of thrown out of whack for a week or two, but then we can get ourselves back on our feet and keep, again, soldiering on as we were doing before. If we then also ignore the brick, then the universe serves us a truck. So that is something that comes and pretty much steamrolls over us, and it will knock us for... Generally, when I've had trucks, it's been a good year or two years that I've been knocked about by that truck it really does force us just to stop and I guess just consider where we're at right now in our lives and how we want to do it better going forward and to plan forward so as an example maybe a feather might be ongoing tension headaches or ongoing challenges in a particular relationship and a brick will be something maybe I feel like I got a brick myself in March this year when I got influenza b and I was really really sick and it knocked me for I mean, a good week that I had it, a good week trying to recover after that, and then two weeks of just being very, very subpar and not myself. And then a truck then will be something, I mean, for me, an example of a truck would be the two miscarriages that we had in 2019, which really did, you know, I don't want to say they kind of figuratively put me on my back, but it took me a a long time to heal, months to, to even years to heal from that. So as I said, there's two different motivations that we can have to go on a retreat. We can go on a prevention from on a prevention perspective, which is where we're almost nixing the feathers, nixing the bricks before we get landed the truck. And also just so our resilience is higher. And God knows we all needed a lot of resilience over the last three years or so. Or we can be motivated to go on a retreat from a cure perspective where there's something that's really affecting us that, that we want to get on top of in the interest of you know our own happiness and the happiness of everyone around us and the success of our careers and businesses as well. Honestly, I've done retreats for both. I've done retreats from a perspective of I'm feeling pretty good, but I think it would be good just to really set myself up for you know the next six months or the next year or whatever might be coming up. And I've also done retreats because I knew that I needed some really deep healing. So you know, th- there's no right or wrong reason to attend a retreat, but I think ideally, if you can attend it more from a prevention perspective, that's always going to be better just to save yourself the heartache and the pain of going through whatever that brick might be and definitely whatever that truck might be as well. And I think I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks as I've been creating this retreat experience in Bali in October. The whole idea that you know, I'm a big believer in filling our tanks on an ongoing basis, you know, whether that is for me, it's exercise, it's gym, it's meditation, it's time to just read on a Sunday afternoon, it's time to, well, no, I haven't got any friends in Spain yet, but right now it's time to chat. I've got a 
a call set up with one of my Aussie besties on Thursday Thursday here. So that time is very restorative and really does boost my tank up. However, I do think at the pace of life that most of us operate in, and I'm presuming if you're attracted to my work and you're listening to this episode, that chances are your life is pretty full on as well. That kind of ongoing maintenance, day-to-day tank filling, yes, it's good and 150% we want to do it. But I think we also need that really deep restorative tank filling as well, which is where for me, that's where retreats enter the picture for me. So, you know, whether it is a guided retreat or it's self-driven, what I want to share with you in this episode is my 11 steps to really creating a magnificent retreat experience that will give you that deep reset and that recharge and fuel you up for the time to come. So I'm going to dive into the steps now. So the first step is to set your budget. I need to be really clear here. Budgets don't need to be crazy, crazy, crazy expensive. I have done retreats for $500. I've done retreats for $5,000. And I've also (laughs) done my retreat to Necker Island, which was mm, almost at a zero onto the 5,000. It was a huge, huge investment. So I think what I'm trying to explain to you is just know your budget. And if it's $500 that you can set aside, or it's a thousand, or it's 2,000, or it's 8,000, just knowing what that budget is just means that straight away you can start to create a retreat experience that fits within that budget. And I also just want to be really clear here because I think I've made the mistake in the past when I'm looking at, okay, should I go on this retreat? Should I not? This looks really expensive. This looks more affordable. You know, which one should I do? I've made the mistake of seeing the figure for the retreat. So let's say I go on a three night to Guingana in the Gold Coast, which is beautiful. And I say it's three nights, it's $3,000. I'm just making these figures up. I have no idea if that's the latest pricing for Guingana. And I say, okay, that's $1,000 a day. So yes, it 100% is, but I don't believe that a retreat is like a holiday. A holiday, great recharging time with friends, family, partners, kids, whatever it might be. But I do think a retreat, there's a higher ROI attached to retreats, in my opinion. So what I would say is when you are setting your budget for your retreat, first of all, don't see it as an expense, see it as an investment. And it's investment in either, you know, depending on where you've landed into your retreat from, it's either an investment in your future self and really bolstering, as I said, building up that tank in a really deep, deep, on a deep level to see you through another six months, year, two years, three years. And or else if you're coming from a place of healing and that you need to come from a sense of there's a curing almost that you want to do, it's saying, you know, what price would you put on getting yourself back to an even keel and a position that you feel like you're back to yourself again and feeling happier and more motivated and more calm and recharged and all the things. So just to be clear, what I'm saying here is it's not necessarily seeing the retreat that you're considering investing in, whether, as I said, it's self-guided or it's guided by someone else or another organization. It's about saying, okay, if I do this retreat, what time and how will it amplify the time that I have beyond that? So as an example, I went to Bali for a week in September 2019, which was just coming off the back of the second miscarriage that we had had. And I was really going to that from a sense of needing you know, the cure rather than prevention. I really need the deep healing. And I did that retreat for a week. And I reckon... I was thinking about this as I was preparing my notes for this episode. I reckon that one week in Bali gave me three years of resilience and energy and mindset and just that really beautiful, deep connection that I think you only get when you go on a retreat. 
So yeah, just thinking about that, you know, and <laughs> oh my God, how lucky am I that it did give me three years because ultimately that's what I needed. <laughs> so a very, very big three years for most of us as we all navigated COVID. And then, you know, funnily enough, I actually went back to Bali in February. It was just before COVID was kicking off. I remember there was two Aussie women sitting next to me on the flight back to Sydney from Bali. And they were both wearing masks. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you wearing masks? Because I kind of just assume, you know, similarly you see more in Asian countries. And they were like, oh, this COVID thing. And I'm like, oh, really? Is this like a thing? Really? And then, of course, came back to Australia. And funnily enough, a week later, I was hosting my own retreat in Byron for a group of my mentees. And it was like we got back on the Sunday from that retreat. And that was it. It was the Sunday, the 1st of March. And I feel the next day, it was as if, okay, this COVID thing is here. It just happened overnight. I don't know if any of you listening felt like that as well. So yes, thank God that Bali retreat did give me the three years in the tank because I did go to Bali six months later in in February 2020. And I actually got Bali belly for the first time. It was my, I think I figured it was my ninth time in Bali and I had never gotten Bali belly. So yeah, I was actually quite sick. I only went for five days that time and I was quite sick for three of those days. So thankfully, I've never had Bali Belly since. But yeah, just think about it when you are weighing up whether or not to go on a retreat. It's just weighing up, okay, what will this give you back on the other side of the retreat rather than just the time spent at the retreat like we would normally, you know, work out with a holiday. So that's a really, really big tip from me. Second step is to set really clear intentions. I really do believe that we get out of anything what we intend to get out of it. I've set my own intentions for my holidays and retreats for years now. And it's also a process that I guide my guests when I'm hosting retreats myself. The very first session that we do together is setting really, really clear intentions for that time together, whether it's two nights or it's seven nights, getting really, really clear on your intentions. And even when we went to Marrakesh recently, myself and we had a week in Marrakesh together, which was just magical. And when we were there the day before, I was asking Wade, you know, what are your intentions for this trip? And he's like, what are you on? He's used to getting asked this question. So Wade's biggest intention was sleep. (laughs) And mine, I told him, was Marvel. I just felt like we've been so in the weeds of bureaucracy and admin and logistics and all the things for the last six months as we prepared to move to Australia. From Australia, we moved, setting up here in Spain that I just said, I want to experience a sense of marvel again you know of just really you know wonder and marvel and just feeling like wow and that's exactly what I got from Marrakesh but it's funny you know even going over there with that intention of experiencing wonder it almost made me seek out those opportunities for wonder more and more and when I did experience something and I experienced many many moments of really deep true wonder when we were there it gave me a chance to kind of sit back and go, ah, that's the wonder I wanted. There it is. See, see. So yes, please do set intentions. And really there's many different ways to make intention setting complicated, but I would really start with, particularly with something like a retreat, just asking yourself, how do you want to feel at the end of this time? How do you want to feel? What will have changed for you in the time that that you go away on this retreat? So getting really clear on your intentions is my second tip. My third tip is to get away. Now, I know it's easier, particularly if you don't have much time, if you're literally going for like 24 hours, it's much easier just to stay very, very local. You have a staycation and maybe stay at a hotel just down the road or whatever it might be. I would really advise that you get away as far as you possibly can within the kind of constraints of the time you have available to you. So I have a mentee I was working with this morning actually on a session and she's planning a writing retreat because she wants to really get momentum on a book that has been sitting on her heart for a long time. And she's going away for a week and I said, I really think you should get on a plane, just do a one hour flight to 
buy shoes in Sydney, you know, Byron, that kind of thing. Just for me, so much of a retreat is the journey to get there as much as it is, is the retreat. So it's a chance to decompress, to really, I guess, switch gears from whether, you know, it's home energy or business or career energy and just really energetically go away, if that makes sense. So if it is possible time-wise and budget-wise to get on a plane or to get on a train or take a car somewhere that gives you enough kind of distance from home and that kind of the wallpaper of day-to-day that you feel like you're truly entering a different space, I would really advise that as well. When I get on the plane for my retreats or, you know, if I'm not so much if I'm driving, so I'm driving the car, but generally if I get on a plane or I'm kind of on the way, you know, in an Uber or something on the way to the airport, that's when I will really start to drop in and start to think about my intentions and what I want to get out of the retreat. So yes, getting away as far as you can. <laughs> is my third step to creating a really beautiful and brilliant retreat for you. My fourth step is to be near nature. This is a really important tick box for me to tick when I'm planning a retreat for myself or one that I'm hosting for my community because nature fundamentally it's grounding, it's calming, it's connecting. It's also really rich in feminine energy. I talked as well in in Step Into You about the difference between masculine and feminine energy. Masculine energy is that go, 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 hustle energy, planning, logistics, getting shit done, getting back to people, meeting deadlines. You know, whether those deadlines are like, okay, kid needs to get home and be asleep by 1 p.m. You know, all of those different tasks and things that we do mean that a lot of us women are very much in our masculine energy a lot of the time. Whereas on the opposite, feminine energy is very creative, it's very flowing, it's very unstructured, and that is fundamentally, that's nature, yeah? So any way that you can weave nature into your retreat, whether that's nature walks or it's booking accommodation, which is in nature, I always make sure that that box is ticked when I'm organizing my own retreats. And when I'm hosting retreats for my mentees, so for example, with this Bali retreat that I'm hosting, it's absolutely awash with the most beautiful greenery. When I've done my own retreats, when I went to Byron on a riding retreat, riding Step Into You, it was a really simple accommodation. It was at the back of someone's house in Byron and they had a little one bedroom, like a villa, I guess you call it, granny flat type thing. But it had a patio at the back, so it was windows all along the back. And it was just a studio, like it was really, really simple. But the back of the granny flat opened right out onto a nature reserve. So it was just this incredible, if you've been to Byron, you know that beautiful lush rainforest greenery that you get in Byron actually reminds me a lot of Bali so yeah just being near nature weaving that into your retreat I think it's almost like nature does half the work for you (laughs) in terms of the retreating because you just need to be around it to help you heal and have that real deep restoration my fifth step is please don't work I say you know if mentees or participants in my retreats you know obviously there I don't have phone bands or laptop bands or anything like that on any of my own retreats that I host but my heart does cry a little bit inside when someone says oh I've got to be on a call this afternoon at two o'clock or I just got to catch up on a few emails while I'm here on the retreat because I just think this time is so sacred as I said I assume that if you're listening to this podcast your life is relatively full And when you create this space and this time for yourself to go on a retreat, it is so, so precious. And I would really invite you to think about this time as the most sacred time that you're going to have 
all year and to treat it as such. So really planning ahead. And that's why I really love planning retreats months in advance, because that means that really you don't have any excuse to not make sure that meetings don't land during that retreat or key presentations or making sure that if you do have a team that they know that you're not going to be there, therefore no one else can take holidays in that time. So all those things, just please give yourself that space. It is so, so precious and it really doesn't come around very easily. It's time that you really need to be very intentional about carving out for yourself. So please give yourself that space, give yourself that time, allow yourself to luxuriate in the space and the time that you have to just be in it. And then the other thing I would say as well is don't go overboard with contact at home. Obviously, if you've got small kids and if you've got older kids, you want to check in with them and see how they are and say hi. But please do, if at all possible, hand over as much as humanly possible of the home stuff as well so that you can just really be in that zone. It's very difficult to kind of be on a call or, you know, be too available. It's just like, with team members, you know, if we're too available, then they don't bother going to try and find the, the document that someone created three years ago. They'll just ask you for it. And I do think it's the same as home. If you're too available, then you tend to field a lot more questions about where things are and what someone should eat and is this okay and on all the things. So yes, please do give yourself as much space as feels comfortable and appropriate for you. And please, if at all possible, do not work when you are on retreat. Your work will still be there when you get back. The sky is not going to cave in because you didn't check your emails for three, four days. And also just remember that your performance in work will be so much more heightened as a result of actually having this time to step away. There's that beautiful story of, you know, sharpening your saw. It's just taking the time to sharpen your saw so that when you get back to cutting down trees, you are so much more potent and so much more powerful. My sixth tip is to plan your retreat ahead. So I've got two reasons for this. One, it just eases the mental load. And I hate for me when we've got a holiday that we need to plan, you know, even my language, we need to plan the holiday. And it kind of becomes a bit of a a task rather than a really joyful, fun, fun thing to do. So getting it organized early, your retreat organized early just means that there's no risk of it turning into a task. It's something that you can get planned, get excited, lock it all in, and then you can just sit back and enjoy looking forward to it. The second reason that I really advise you to plan ahead as much as possible of your retreat is that you can start to get excited about it. And I wrote in Step Into You about the whole idea of when we are excited about something nice coming up on our calendar. So it might be like a date night with our partner. It might be a massage. It might be cocktails with friends on a Saturday night. When we know that that thing is happening, it's locked in, the appointments are made, the bookings are made, what the plans are made. What we get as women is we get a hit of oxytocin, which is also known as the love hormone. When we get at that hit of oxytocin, that enables our bodies to create more estrogen, which is the really calming, relaxing hormone. So it's actually, and all of this information is coming from John Gray's book, Beyond Mars and Venus, which is one of my favorite books when understanding masculine versus feminine energy and also feminine balance and alignment. So giving yourself the chance to, you know, luxuriate in that oxytocin, get that hit of estrogen, it means that you already start getting the ROI from your retreat before you've even set foot off in the direction of that retreat. And I really, really loved when I was planning on hosting my Bali 2020 retreat, it was in May 2020, and I had obviously on the sales page for the retreat, I had published 
pictures of the villa that we were going to be using for that one. And it was really lovely. So many of the retreat guests, the women who had booked to come with me, said that they'd actually printed out the pictures from the website and stuck them up on their office wall. And that was what really kept them going in those days. They're like, oh, I can't be fucked or... Yeah, just really low energy, just seeing it there and knowing that they were going to be there soon was really incredible because really what happened is every time they looked at those photos, they were getting that hit of oxytocin, which meant their bodies could create more estrogen. So, and I'm obviously devastated that they never actually got there, but hopefully some of them will book in on this new one in October this year. Okay, seventh tip. So, Plan in little luxuries. Give yourself permission to have some luxuries. So they can be little and little, I would for example, think about food, candles and scents, you know, body, skincare products, little luxuries that really signify to you that it's a shift in programming. It's not your everyday. You're eating slightly different, maybe, you know, more luxurious food. You're enjoying more luxurious body products. And there's two reasons for that is one, it does really upgrade. It's amazing how just a really beautiful body lotion can upgrade your experience of having a shower or having a candle lighting can really upgrade your experience of just relaxing on a sofa and reading a book. So it's for that reason to feel that you're really having a a beautiful experience. But the other reason as well for those little or big luxuries is that it tells you something really powerful. It tells you that you're worth it. How many of us women don't light the nice candle because we're at home on our own and we'll light it when someone else is in the house? How many of us don't buy the slightly nicer bread at the bakery because it's just us having it? You know, all those little things that we do to tell ourselves that maybe we're not important. This is the time to really switch that up and almost like retrain yourself to enjoy those luxuries. As I said, whether they're little like food or they're big luxuries, like staying in a really beautiful accommodation, for example. I know for me, when I've done my self-guided retreats in Byron, there's one particular grocer that I absolutely love up there. And I'll go in there and I'll probably spend about $50 more than I would normally spend just for myself for a few days of food slash that never happens anyway. (laughs) If hypothetically speaking, I was having five days on my own and I was kind of shopping for normal food, what I buy in this Byron place probably comes in at $50 more than what that bill would be. But the enjoyment that I get from looking forward to the beautiful, I think it was like duck egg custard I bought one time or the gorgeous hand cut, what's it called? Tagliatelle with the beautiful looks ragu sauce. You know, the hit that I get from that and the sense of abundance that I get from that is so worth that $50. And, you know, it could be a really simple $15 candle, just the little luxuries that you can create in order to really send yourself that message that this is a special time for you. The other thing adds to step eight to creating this perfect retreat for you is to journal, really creating that space and that time just to write, get your thoughts down. You will find that time on your own retreating. And actually, I should really address this. I have very much made the assumption throughout this episode that you would be on your own doing a retreat. I get asked a bit, you know, should I do a retreat with friends and or you know whether that's going away on a self-guided retreat together or if it's going on a health retreat together, you know, when you're there, you're booking in the same time and sharing a room. I'm on the fence on it, right? On the one level, I think it gives you more permission to actually get away if you've got other friends, almost like having a gym buddy, you're more likely to make it happen if someone else is kind of there, you're egging each other on to make it happen. However, I do think that time on our own is so incredibly at a premium in the lives that most of us live day to day 
that I think if you are going to go with friends, I would really make sure that there is some time built in for you to be solo, just to really let yourself connect on a deep level with yourself. So creating that time to do things like journaling that maybe there wouldn't be as much time to do at home is really, really important on a retreat. The thoughts bubble up, you know, when you're away from the day-to-day wallpaper, when you're away from being on deadlines, when you are enjoying a really beautiful massage, thoughts bubble up and we start to get epic clarity on maybe it's a challenge that we're currently having in our lives and how we can solve that or ideas can drop in. I mean, I know for me, when I went on my first Bali as in I was, I went on my own hosted retreat in Bali, ah, 2015, 2016, 2015, I think it was. And I remember I came away from that with the idea for remarkability in my first book. It was there. Like I could almost see the book in my mind's eye. And I came back and I set myself a target of writing that book in the seven weeks after I got back from that retreat. And I did that. I made that happen. So creating the, I guess, the way to capture your thoughts as they do come up is a really, really valuable thing. It's almost the your logbook of your retreat. And what I often do is I'll actually buy a fresh journal. Maybe it's just like a little A6 one, but I'll buy a fresh journal going away. And that's specifically to capture my thoughts for that time. When I'm hosting retreats, I always give people a notebook and pen, and that becomes their logbook for the experience that they're having with me and the rest of the group as well. You could also think about having some structured thinking time. So I know for me, I've kind of gotten out of the swing of this. I need to get back into it. I just feel like Spain has been such a massive kind of, yeah, out of the norm, I guess, for my usual annual routine. But normally I would go away for a night or two and do my quarterly planning in my business. So while I say don't work, that's more doing the kind of the day-to-day work, the work of getting back to other people, meeting deadlines, clearing emails, responding to calls, blah, blah, blah. And I think the business planning, the business visioning, I think it's the perfect time to do that or career planning if you are currently employed. So maybe thinking about what's some more structured planning that you could do if you want to do that, if that is forming part of your intention for this time for you to be away on retreat. So you could think about buying a journal that has journaling prompts, for example, which could be a really, really good thing. Or you could think about some doing some goal setting. So obviously I've got my bold goals playbook that I have. So just taking the capturing that time when you have it to really get down on paper your thoughts and whether that's structured or it's unstructured. I really like to go on retreats with an A3 sketch pad and some really nice colored Sharpies because it just, again, I just never know what might come up an idea. I remember once my idea for a mastermind just popped up. It might be a new program that I'm creating, a book, just some ways that I really want to kind of fine tune my life at home will come up as well. So yeah, creating that time to to write and journal and have your note-taking tools and creating tools with you as well on retreat. Step nine is to really invest in some nurturing. So this is really an area that I would make sure that if there was a bit of kind of extra budget or that there's kind of a weighting that you want to place on how you do invest the hard-earned cash for your retreat in, it would really be in that nurturing side of things. So again, keeping it super simple and low-key would be getting a really beautiful bath oil or a bubble bath or something like that that you could really enjoy in your retreat. Obviously then, if you want to start kind of getting into more investment, it would be having massage, having Reiki, maybe having a pedicure. In Bali, I like to see healers. In Marrakesh, I had an experience of a hammam. So it's a a very traditional Moroccan sauna. And I thought I was just booking in for the 30-minute sauna where I'd go in for 30 minutes, sit there, have a shower, job done. But actually, when I got to the hammam, there was an older lady there, like kind of grandma age, 
and she pretty much just grabbed me, helped me get undressed, brought me into the room, started dousing me with warm water, which was the most heavenly experience to have someone else washing me. Sounds crazy, but oh my gosh, I feel like so many times I've washed our babies and you know that feeling of when you take a baby or, or a kid out of the bath or the shower and you you know, rug them up in a big fluffy towel and you just cuddle them and you go, oh, you just, they're just so, it's such a nurturing act from me to them. And to be on the receiving end of it with this woman was, I swear it was a spiritual experience. I actually burst into tears at one point during it. It was just heavenly. So she covered me with black soap and then she left me there, lying there in the hammam, the sauna for 10 minutes for the soap to do its work, this Moroccan black soap. It's like a really deep exfoliant. Then she came back. She washed me off again with these big buckets of warm water. And then she got this mitt. And I'm so, I didn't get one before I left Morocco and I really need to get one. She used this mitt. It was like an exfoliating glove and pretty much took the entire top layer of my skin off my entire body. You could actually see like not lumps of skin, but like peels of skin, I guess, coming off the mitt. She washed me again. Then she shampooed my hair and then she washed my face. And the whole time she was just murmuring sweet little nothings to me in Arabic. She didn't speak English. It was heavenly absolutely heavenly. So just thinking about, you know, for you, it may not be getting naked into a hammam with a Moroccan lady, but for you, it may be the bubble bath. It might be a really beautiful body lotion and it might be just taking the time to paint your nails on your retreat. Doing those things that nurture you on a really deep level are so, so powerful because we have so much output, you know, we are outputting to whether it's our teams or our partners or our kids or our friends or our parents or neighbors or whatever it might be. And it's really important that we double down on the input when we're having this space to retreat. My 10th tip is to write yourself a letter capturing how you feel on that last day of your retreat and then post it to yourself. Because what happens is we have this beautiful experience and we go back going, everything's going to be different when we get back after this retreat. And then we get back and, you know, within 48 hours, you're kind of back into the maelstrom of everyday life. So sending yourself a letter is a really lovely thing because it's almost like a little a little tap on the shoulder going, remember Lorraine, you, you felt like this and you can feel like this. I really love doing that because it, it helps me reaccess that feeling and that energy of being on retreat. It's something I like to do with a lot of my retreat groups when I'm hosting is to ask them to write themselves a letter on the last day of their retreat as part of that kind of last, that last workshop that we do together. And then what I do is I get them to address it and seal it in an envelope. And when I get back, well, back to Australia in the past, but it'll be back to Spain this time, what I then do is when that person pops into my head a couple of times over a particular day, I'll pop the letter in the post that day. And it might be up to six, seven months post the session, post the retreat. When I hosted my retreat in Noosa in October last year, I think I sent my last letter. I had them all propped up on the mantelpiece in my office at home. And I think I sent the last letter maybe in May. And it's incredible. Like every time it just blows my mind when I send the letter and the day that that tends to arrive on. And it's like a day that maybe someone was having a really, really tough day and it just was that really pep that they needed. Or maybe something they had just done a practice that they had learned at the retreat and then the letter dropped in that day. It's really, really magical how that can happen. And that's something that you can do. It's almost creating for yourself a little time capsule of your retreat and really bottling that feeling so that you have your letter there as a reminder of how you can feel when you are creating that that intentional experience for yourself. 
Now, my last tip is to bring home something that reminds you of the retreat. It could be as simple as a pebble from the beach that you walked on in the morning on your retreat. For me, I have something I always bring back from Bali. There's two things, three things actually I always bring back from Bali. And one is this incense, this particular brand of incense that I buy in Ubud that I absolutely adore. It's called Temple Spice. And I bring back boxes and boxes of that for myself to enjoy at home. But I also like to have it if I host retreats in Australia. It's something about incense that really, it's, what would you say, transportative? Is that a word? It really transports me to another realm. So I always bring back lots of incense. I always, random, I always bring back lots of mozzie spray. There's a particular brand of mozzie spray. And if you've been to Bali, you'll probably be familiar with it. I've actually got it in the bathroom. But anyway, I'm not going to go disrupt this episode to go grab it. But there's a particular brand of natural body spray. It's got clove and spices in it. And every time I smell that, it's like, bang, I'm just sitting there in Bali, enjoying the beautiful energy of Bali. So I always bring my mozzie spray back. And the third thing I always bring back from Bali is ceremonial cacao and cacao powder. Again, there's a beautiful brand called Ubud Raw that I always go to. They've got a tiny little cafe in Ubud, like a takeaway cafe. And I always, I enjoy having their chocolate before I do a really strong yoga class in Bali as well. So I always bring back some of that chocolate as well. So bring home something in Byron, I had this gorgeous adaptogenic hot chocolate that I brought back and I've just finished my supply yesterday. I I brought three packs with me to Spain and I just finished the last one yesterday. I was devastated. And so I'll have that. And then actually when I did the Hoffman process, which I guess is, is actually that would be a guided retreat. I forgot about that. So when I came back from Hoffman, I had a little, a little toy. It's, I'm giving away a bit of the process, but this little toy that I brought back and it's on my bedside table. And every time I see it every evening and you know, every morning when I wake up, it reminds me of everything I learned and experienced as part of the Hoffman process. So bring something back. As I said, it could be as simple as a leaf from a forest, but just bringing something back that almost becomes your little totem. It's your little mascot of that time that you had on retreat. And again, just like the letter, it brings you back there as well. Okay, they are my 11 tips for creating a brilliant, beautiful, restorative, intentional, recharging retreat for yourself, whether that is, as I said, guided or it's self-guided. And I really, really do encourage you to book in a retreat before the end of the year. And as I said, it can be very inexpensive or it can be more on the luxe end of the scale because I do see so many women in my community who are burnt out, who've kind of gone past that. I talk about the difference between work. If we think about our energy as a bank account and our capital is that, you know, that big chunk of cash that we have in that bank account. And then that capital is constantly making interest. So we ideally want to be operating from our interest day to day, you know, expending the energy that we know is going to come back in again because that capital is constantly building interest. Where things start to get a bit shaky is when we start to operate from our capital. So we've hacked through all the interest and now we're in the capital. And as I said, that's when things start to get wobbly. When things really, really, really go to shit is when the capital is also gone and we're operating our overdraft. And if you're listening to this and you feel like when I said that, you just went, oh my God, that's me. I just want to really send you love because I've operated from that space myself in the past and it is really, really tough. And I really want to encourage, especially you, if that is you who are in your overdraft, please don't delay. Please make a plan for a retreat for yourself as soon as you can. Even if maybe you've got small kids and it's not possible for you to be away overnight for whatever reason at the moment, even just taking a day somewhere that can be a day just for you. Don't underestimate the power of even having a day to yourself. So really want to send you love if that is you. So ideally what we want to do is be 
planning in these retreats so that we're constantly rebuilding that deep, deep capital and that interest then can accumulate even quicker. So please don't leave it till it's too late. I would much rather that ideally you book a retreat from prevention rather than in a cure. You, You want to be in the prevention camp as opposed to the cure, if at all possible. And I also felt like I just needed to close out this episode by saying it is not selfish to prioritize your deep tank filling. You stand to gain, of course, but everyone in your life stands to gain as well. I remember coming back from that retreat that I did to Bali in September 2019 and I bounced in the door and I think Wade was kind of going oh okay this is you know this is great she's in a really good place but it's probably going to wear off after 24 hours and it didn't wear off as I said I feel like I had done such a deep building of my own bank account energy bank account as I said that retreat easily gave me the next three years easily of resilience and growth and energy and all the things and he actually said to me he's like if this is how you come back from Bali after a week I would happily happily support you in going every single month. (laughs) So just please do remember that, that everyone does stand to gain. Yes, you do yourself, of course, but everyone else in your life does genuinely stand to gain as well. So I'm sending you lots of love. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. An action from you today from this episode is to please do book a retreat. Obviously, I'm opening spots to my own retreat next week, but even if it's not mine, please do make it a priority to book in some time just for you before the end of this year because we're already approaching the middle of the year and I promise you I will be sitting here recording an episode in October going I can't believe we're already here what happened where did the year go and remember the sooner we book these things the sooner we can start looking forward to them we can really start to get that benefit from them so thank you so much for joining this week's episode it has been really it's been nice trip down memory lane talking about all my retreats. I'm like, when am I doing my next one? I actually want my next one to be, I want to go on a yoga retreat in Ibiza. That's like my next thing I'm planning. Yeah, excited for that one. So sending all the love. Thank you as always for listening to the show this week. And I will be back again with a new episode next week. And if you are excited about that Bali retreat, just watch my emails. If you're on my email list, that's where it'll be going first. And also watch Insta after that as well. I'll be kind of, yeah, sharing the build-up to when I'm opening spots up next week. Sending love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please do remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss an episode. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, and requests for future topics on what I share here on the show. So please do reach out via my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au or connect with me on Instagram at Lorraine Murphy Mentor. I would also love if you could rate and review the podcast as it helps even more brilliant listeners like you find the show. Thank you so much again for listening this week. Bye.